Hello and welcome to Glory Be. Interesting people and how they pray. Each week we chat with interesting people about their lives, their work, and how they pray. I'm Sharon Hannish. And I'm Mike Malcolm. Our guest today is Kylie Hernandez. Kylie is the development director or development manager of Watts of Love, a global nonprofit bringing people the power to lift themselves out of the darkness of poverty through solar lighting and financial literacy training. Kylie was born and raised in the Chicago suburbs and graduated last May from Wheaton College in Wheaton, Illinois, with a degree in international relations. During her time in college, her research focus was human trafficking and the impact that poverty had globally on trafficking rates. She has been contributing to Watts' growth and success as part of the development team since entering as an intern in September of 2021. She began full-time upon graduation last May, so I guess you've been there a year. Welcome, Kylie. We're so happy you're here. Welcome to Tulsa. Thank you. It's yeah. my first time in Oklahoma, so I'm glad to be here. So you live in Chicago? I do. Yeah. yeah. And so this is your first time down in a flyover state? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> flyover state. Well, well, did, to be yeah. There. yeah. So you, you live and work in Chicago. Have you always been in Illinois? I've always lived in Illinois. Yeah. I have done brief trips outside of Illinois. Yeah. So I lived in Asia for a year. Wow. Um, I lived in North Georgia for a few months. So I've bopped around a little yeah. bit, but mostly my whole family's in Chicago yeah. and that's just it's where home. I've settled for yeah. right now. Yeah. 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 What were you doing in North Asia? I was in actually Southeast Asia, but I was um, doing missions work. So I was teaching English. I was working um, for an organization that supported refugees with um, just whatever they might need. Um, what else did I do? I worked in a homeless shelter. We were, I was in Thailand, Malaysia, and India. So I was there. For so you have a heart for service. And did you always have that? Um, I like to think so. Yeah. I, I think I've always just very much been concerned with the world around yeah. me and how it looks different mm-hmm. than the way I've grown up. I, I was very privileged and blessed to grow up in the suburbs of Chicago yeah. and everything that comes with that. Um, and the, older I got, the more I was just very curious about life and about the way that it looked different than mine. Um, and I, I wanted to travel so that I could really understand that the world did not look like the way I thought it did. Um, and I think I got that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and human trafficking is a tough, a tough subject. I mean, it's unpleasant. Yeah. And so I'm aware of, of, the human trafficking that takes place in the U.S., but mm-hmm. internationally, it's a big deal as well. Yeah, so I think human trafficking is almost a misnomer because I yeah. think when people think about it, they think about people being smuggled across yeah. country lines, and that's really not what yeah. happens. More often than not, you are being kept in slavery miles away from where you grew up. Um, And so a lot of what we saw, for example, in Thailand, there were hill tribes and people would go up into the hill tribes and say, hey, we have work for your children in the city. Um, And that's how you got caught up into it. Or in Malaysia, for example, all of the refugees coming out of uh, Myanmar, Burma area, they would land in Malaysia, go to try to get a job. And once they got a job, their employers would take their passports and suddenly you are an enslaved person. Um, And so it's something that is way more prevalent than I think anyone really thinks because you have that mentality of you're being smuggled across state li- or borders and that's not really what it is. Um, and it's so much more prevalent than anyone would assume. It's up there with 
Um, it's a, it's one of the three most prevalent crimes in the world. It's up there with the arms trade and the drugs trade. Wow. Um, and so it's something that when I was living, I was living a block away from the red light mm-hmm. district in Th- mm-hmm. Thailand. Um, and it's something that really just captured and, my heart. And so your research was in human trafficking. Is that why you, I mean, were you working with victims of human trafficking? Were you, when you were in that area or? Yes and no. Um, just due to, I was 19 at the time. I was with a bunch of 18, 20 year olds and they were trying to, I think, protect us a little bit, offer us an opportunity to help, but protect us. Um, and so we weren't directly working with a lot of people, but a lot of our closest friends had been former victims of human trafficking. So there's this incredible, um, organization in Chiang Mai, um, it's called Bella Goose and they employ former, it's a coffee shop and they employ former, um, victims of human trafficking. And, um, they're a truly incredible ministry. There's one in the Philippines, one in Thailand, and actually one in Wisconsin. So Wisconsin particularly, like, do they have a lot of human trafficking in Wisconsin? Not that I've really seen. It's really interesting that they landed there. Um, not, I, Philippines and Thailand kind of make sense, but yeah. Wisconsin, not to my knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good that they're there mm-hmm. too. And it's maybe just for the people who are excited about it, yeah. where they happen to live. So yeah. you know, it, they don't have to move. So that's good. Well, tell me about Watts of Love. I've seen, I've been to your website. I've looked at the video, like the cover video Mm -hmm. and actually I cannibalized it. I stole the video and used it to promote you. So yeah, (laughs) but I see the the headlights that people are wearing. So who invented that? So that's really cool. Our founder and CEO, her name's Nancy Economo. Mm -hmm. She, the, the light design is hers. Um, She put it all together. She has a patent on it and she went to a, um, uh, like a manufacturing company in the Chicagoland area called Molex and said, this is my idea. Can you help me? Um, which is so incredible. And it's the most amazing light. And it's actually about the third or fourth iteration of our original lights. Mm-hmm. When we were founded 10 years ago, um, the original light was a two piece unit. It had a solar panel that you wore yeah. on your back and it was a big flashlight. Oh. And it was there, it was fine. There were a million things wrong with it, right? So you have this big piece. You're shipping yeah. internationally. You yeah. can only ever ship 12 units at a time. Right. Shipping prices are exorbitant. Yeah. So it needed to be smaller. It also couldn't be a two-piece unit because that means that the solar panel is easier to steal. True. Um, and the cable can break and all that. Exactly. Yeah. And then the the most notable issue and part of the reason why the light design looks the way it does now is um, Nancy and the Watts of Love team was actually in Nepal after – the earthquake, I yeah. think, in 2016, yeah. um, just providing aid. And they came across a community of people who had been afflicted by leprosy. Oh. And they, she's like, all right, I'm going to bring you lights. She brings the yeah. lights. And they have this little flip-on button, right. this teeny tiny little button. And she shows it to this woman named Thule who can't turn it on because right. she doesn't have the appendages yeah. to do so. Yeah. Um, and so that became this catalyst for our new light that, all right, if I'm saying that this is a tool that can change your life, Everyone in the world's going to be able to use it. So this creator, like, why did she get interested? How, yeah, yeah what's the backstory? Like, what prompted her to even want to create a light? Yeah, um, she's super incredible. Let me just to say that, not just because she's my boss, but she's <laughs> truly an she incredible really is. woman. Yes. Um, so in 2009, she was traveling in the Philippines, um, and she was there on a business trip. And so they did all of the business trip things. They were being wine, dined in Manila, mm-hmm. very much the the luxury of the Philippines. Um, And someone who's just naturally curious by nature 
um, she wanted to see how people actually lived, and so she went to a feeding program. And while she was there, she met a little girl whose face has was covered in burns from kerosene. Um, and she asked, and they were putting toothpaste on it. And she asked, "What I mean? What's happening?" Right. She's like, "Well, most families in the Philippines they don't have access to reliable electricity, so they have these little kerosene lanterns that they use at night. Um, which an open kerosene flame in your home is." just i mean incredibly dangerous and so there's people who have burns there's houses that are burning down you on accident fall asleep and knock over your lantern Mm -hmm. i mean it's just a truly incredibly dangerous situation not to mention the chemicals that are being burned yeah um and she's a she's a mother of five Uh, she has five sons and she the way she tells us is she's like i couldn't imagine as a mom putting my kids back in front, like lighting that yeah. kerosene lantern the next night. Like, how do I do right. that? And also, how do you take care of babies when mm-hmm. your only light is this one little flame? Yeah. Um, and so she came home and kind of mulled over the idea. And I think the Lord just kept putting it on her heart yeah. as this is something that could be incredible. Um, and finally in... 2013 I had to think about that because there's a lot there's a lot of dates in there but 2013 she returned to the yeah. Philippines um with a thousand lights just assuming she jokes she's like I thought it was gonna be like Oprah yeah. you get a light yeah. you get a light yeah. um and when she got there all 1,000 of the lights got stuck in customs oh um, so she had three lights that she had packed with her oh. um and she's like you know what this is an opportunity I'm gonna slow down and yeah. I'm gonna figure out who needs these lights yeah. the very most yeah um, so the first woman who got a light, she's a woman, um, her name's Nainai. Um, and she told Nancy that she was forgotten by her family, scorned by God, and her government didn't know she exists. She could not possibly accept this light because God doesn't love her. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that I think pulls on yeah. the heartstrings of any and all Christians yeah. out there. Um, and Nancy said, no, Nainai, yeah. like, you're valuable. Like you right. are worth a gift like this. Um, and that became very much a heart posture that Watts of Love has carried over the the, mm. the last 10 years of our recipients are worth someone investing in yeah. them. Um, the second woman she gave it, she gave it light to was a woman named Emily. Emily was the mother of four or five children. Um, and she gave her the light the next day she came back. She said, Emily, what did you do with your, your night, your first light or your first night with your light? She said, I put my kids to bed and I made a thousand bamboo barbecue sticks. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to sell them on the mainland for 20 yeah. pesos. Yeah. Um, so immediately she had extra hours of productivity and right. she became a businesswoman. She yeah. now had all of this extra income that she could be using to support her family. Mm-hmm. I should mention, by the way, most parts of the world, um, kerosene batteries, paraffin, candles, things like that, incredibly expensive, oftentimes cost up to a third of the annual income to yeah. light your home after dark. Yeah. Um, so with the solar light, you're also you're no longer buying kerosene, so right. you're saving a third of your money. And Emily now took that and used it to start a business. Yeah. Um, and then the third woman is a woman named Ruth, and Ruth and her husband, um, when Nancy showed up to her house, they informed her that for dinner that night they licked their finger, put it in salt, and licked the salt off their finger, right. and that's what they had to eat to trick their bodies into yeah. thinking that they had food and they yeah. had eaten. Um, and the next, so she gave him the light. She said good luck. A month later, when all of the lights released were released from customs, yeah. and her um, partner said, "Hey, you need to get back here and do something right. with these lights." Um, Nancy came back, and Ruth came come, came running down the mountain, and she said, "You'll never guess. 
my family and I have not gone hungry one single day in the in the last month. And Nancy said, how, like, that doesn't make sense. Right. How do you, how does light equal food? And she's like, well, it's quite simple. Every day when my husband thinks I'm going to buy kerosene, I hide the money from him. She's like, you're just like me. Yeah. <laughs> you get me. Yeah. Um, and she took that money and she would use it to buy rice. Mm-hmm. And so not only is there this opportunity for new business and new opportunities, but there is this added piece of you're saving your money and you're, mm-hmm. you're learning what it looks like to save. We actually just recently did a poll in Malawi that prior to Watts of Love, only about 13 people in, or 13% of the community understood the concept of savings. Right. When there's not banks or opportunities mm-hmm. to save, it doesn't really, that, mm-hmm. that concept doesn't really exist. Yeah. Um, what's really cool is that after Watts of Love, I think that number s- jumped up to 89% of people understood the concept of savings, which is really amazing. So, that's the the origin story of Watts of Love. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, what's your like? How did you get involved with Watts of Love? Like, yeah. So I took a year abroad. I did missions. I was really looking for Christian community. When I came home, applied to Wheaton, got into Wheaton, and then it. I was I because I was a dilly dallier. I pushed my internship as far as I possibly could, and it was my senior year, and I realized that I needed an internship or I'm not going to graduate. Um, and my mom actually works with one of our incredible board members and he very kindly got me an interview. Um, and so I started with them as an intern in September of 2021. And in about March, I kind of looked at Nancy and Christy and I said, Hey, I don't really want to be anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Like I, I I was working full time as it was to make it, to make, uh, to afford college and afford living. Um, and I said, I don't really want to be anywhere else. Yeah. Would, there, would you consider hiring me before I graduated? Yeah. I'll work full-time hours. I'll just mm-hmm. work, start work at 7 a.m. and leave in the middle of the day yeah. and go to class. <laughs> um, and they very graciously did. So oh. I've been, technically I've been there. I have like three start dates. And I do make everyone in the office celebrate all three of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> obviously. That's great. Mm-hmm. Well, for people who are watching, for people who are listening, who would want to get more information about mm-hmm. Watts All Over, maybe even donate towards yeah. it, what's the avenue for that? So I think there's a few different avenues. One would be, we have an incredible web- website. There are opportunities to donate, get involved, travel. Um, we regularly take teams into the field. So Nancy's actually headed to Kenya with a team. She leaves Tuesday. Um, we have a team going to Navajo Nation. We have a team going to Ghana, Zambia, Malawi, I think twice to the Philippines um, in the next year. So that's a really incredible way to get involved and actually be a part of the solution. So you, Navajo Nation is one of your... Navajo Nation. Uh, my kids have been on a mission trip. I mean, went on one of the service trips was yeah. Navajo Nation. And the comment was it was the, the most poverty they had seen. What, what do people there use? Like, I think it is also a version of like gas lamps. Okay. Um, so what's what's really challenging is that if your house isn't up to code, which due to just different poverty levels mm-hmm. there, it's hard to get mm-hmm. it up to code, no electrical companies will come in and put electricity into the oh. home, um, which is terrible. And Well, it just kind of perpetuates the cycle. Exactly. Yeah. And so you have kids who are have to be bust. Yeah. I mean, an hour away to go to school, mm-hmm. and then by the time they get home, it's already dark. They can't do homework, yeah. and so you're just perpetuating these cycles of poverty. Right. Um, yeah, but we are headed to the Navajo Nation at the end of July. So with the light, you just strap it onto your head, and all of a sudden you can read. You can do homework. You can change a baby's diaper. You can go outside and 
get the mail or whatever it is, yeah. you can see. So it's solar power on one side. So the panels on the yeah. back, mm-hmm. the entire front piece is the, the light and it's also the button to turn it on. So yeah. as I mentioned, Thule, who didn't have the, the appendages to yeah. turn it on, you could press it with your palm, your elbow, yeah. your foot. Yeah. Um, and it was actually designed so that it could be, it never really had to be taken off. So you mm-hmm. can charge it on your back while you're working in the field. Um, you can wear it on your neck. Yeah. If you feel unsafe, you can tuck it away. Yeah. You can wear it over your head. It can dangle from your roof. Yeah. Um, really trying to make it as multifaceted as possible for our light recipients um, and getting ideas and suggestions as to what would make this better for you. So we added a, it is solar powered, but we did add a charging port because there, I mean, there is, Mm-hmm. access to some electricity mm-hmm. and so if you want to pay to have a charge you know it's going to be bad weather for the next few days you can do that um we're actually working on event hopefully fingers crossed yeah. there will be um a port out so you can charge a phone yeah. um because that's yeah. a really incredible business that's right. actually flourishing in yeah. a lot of places in the yeah. world that you can um people will pay you to charge their yeah. phone so well, that's yes. great yeah it's really yes. exciting you know we were talking before and you mentioned you know that the woman who started the organization. Nancy, yeah. Yeah, that she felt prompted by God to do this, you know. Um, I also know, because we're a podcast, Interesting People and How You Pray, yeah. uh, as we were talking before, Young Life has been, so So mm-hmm. you're a person of faith, so I, it sounds like your work with Watts of Love, but also, you know, having been um, impacted by your experience with Young Life and continuing to be a a leader. Will you talk about that? Like your, your faith, your, um, your work with young life. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. And then we'll move into how you pray. Yeah. Um, so I was raised Catholic, um, all of the, the sacraments, everything that went into that. Um, but I really do feel like I came into my faith in high school, my own faith. It, it impacted me. I truly felt like I had encountered Jesus yeah. in a, in a personal way. And that was actually at a young life camp in North Georgia called Sharp Top Cove. Um, and I, that really, I mean, kicked it off for me. And suddenly I had to start exploring like, what do I believe and why? I mean, I was, I've, I was kind of handed this faith mm-hmm. my whole life mm-hmm. and then it became very personal. And so now I'm rethinking, why do I believe this? How, how do I go about being a Christian in my life? Um, and how does that impact the things that I believe in? How does that cause me to try to be a better person every day and love people well and all the things? Um, and then, on top of that, I started leading a group of middle school girls um, for Young Life when I was 16. And so there's a, there was this compounded nature of, well, they have questions. And if they're going to act, I need to figure out these questions so I can tell them. Um, and they're actually, they're the most incredible humans. They just graduated high school, um, which is really exciting. I've known them since they were in sixth grade. Um, so I have spent a lot of time really investigating what do I believe and why and how how do I go about praying? How do I go about, how do I go about in my life as a Christian? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that's been very important to me over the last 10 years. So what does a, a, a day in the life of prayer look for you? I mean, do you have prayers or books or scripture? Or do you journal or tell us about what feeds your, draws your heart? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we can all, uh, agree with this, that there are some times that prayer is a lot harder than others, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there are times that I'm great at it and very disciplined, and there are times that I'm not. Um, but I I think that prayer and worship are something that should be one and the same. And so a lot of times that looks like 
worshiping and praying at the same time um, that I, I've come to start praying whenever like my heart is prompted to do it, that it's just my immediate reaction. Um, and I, I would love to be better. You know, I would love to say that I wake up and the first thing that I do in the morning is prayer, but it's not. And it's, it's a constant, um, constant journey of growth towards that. You know, that's one of our questions that we always ask is if, has there been a time in your life when it's been difficult to pray? Um, yeah. And what, what has helped that? I feel like the times in my life that have been most difficult to pray are the times that my, my stubborn soul is like, all right, no, I'm, I'm going to, if this is difficult, then this is something that I need to actually sit in. Um, so there was actually a season of time I, long, long story short, I got really sick in India, um, and had emergency surgery. It was kind of a chaotic experience. And then I, 19 days after I had surgery, I was actually back in India. Um, and I really was just, it was an incredibly challenging time in my life just due to the trauma of what had happened over the last month and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember feeling really much, very much like, "Mm, I don't really need to talk to God. And then there was this little voice inside of me. It's like, well, if that's the case, then I really need to get on my knees and pray. Um, and so I would drag myself out of bed at 6am and walk to, we were, we were living in India. It was, I was with a group of people. We had this little meal tent. I would walk to the meal tent before anyone else would get there. I would get my, we were in India. Obviously it was a British colony. So there was tea time. So clearly I had to get my tea. (laughs) Um, I got my tea and I would go off by myself and just sit for hours in prayer and just figure out like, and I think a lot of that prayer looked like, um, I think if I'm being really honest, it was very much like what the heck just happened right like yeah that was terrible um but i think that that's such beautiful prayer is being really honest and vulnerable Mm -hmm. before god and saying like this sucked i'm not Mm -hmm. okay with this that was not good i'm really questioning a lot but i refuse to not sit in those questions with you yeah so um i think that a lot of that prayer time um was just, I think, forcing myself to really confront all of the anger that I had mm-hmm. in that time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as you were talking about uh, young life, what was it about their worship or their mm-hmm. Bible studies, or you know, that kind of gave you that sort of personal relationship? Yeah, I think. I mean, the whole thing is designed to. Yeah, maybe for people who have never heard of Young Life or don't know, yeah, maybe give a little explanation. So Young Life was a ministry invented specifically to um, minister to high schoolers. It was designed that it would be a place for kids to be kids. I mean, especially nowadays, kids are so wrapped up in the world around them. It was a place that they can come and play fun games and sing songs, and it was fun. Um, And then the other part of that was that you were going to be with a leader, an older Christian who wanted to just walk through life with you. And so it was typically, I mean, high school, college-age students, um, and it was just relationship. The whole thing is, re- is so incredibly relational. And so that's what's different about Young Life camps versus regular camps is you go and there's a counselor there and you have a great week with your counselor and then you go home. What's incredible about Young Life is you take your leader to camp and that leader goes home with you. Um, 
and walk through life with you. And they just, I mean, I'm still incredibly close with a lot of my leaders from when I was middle school, high school age. Um, so it's, it's a whole ministry designed for middle school and high schoolers. Um, and I think that that's what, what was so impactful to me is that it felt like someone was actually taking the time to explain God in a way that made sense. And it wasn't wrapped up in the theology of why do we believe what we believe and all these things. It was, this is who God is. This is what Jesus did on the cross. What do you think? Um, and that was just so impactful to me that someone was taking the time to actually explain to me this in a way that made sense for me. Um, and that, yeah, that changed my life. Well, and it's bearing fruit from, mm-hmm. you know, several years ago, what, six, seven years ago, something yeah, like that. Yeah, I started leading six or yeah. seven years ago, but I actually went to a camp when I was 14. It, okay. So in 2015, about. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So here we go, almost a decade later, yeah. it's still resounding in your life. Where do you see yourself in maybe another eight, ten years? Oh, my gosh. Um, I... <laughs> I feel like I'm getting to a point in my life where I know that less and less, yeah. if that makes sense. I mm-hmm. feel like the the high school, when I was in high school, it's like, this is what the next 30 years of my life yeah. looks like. And the older I get and the more that my life has been not what I've planned, but also so much sweeter mm-hmm. than anything I could have hoped for, mm-hmm. the more I just have released that. Um, I would love to be back internationally. Yeah. I think that's just where my heart is. Yeah. Um, I... I loved traveling. I loved, I would love to live in another country. Um, I actually, I would love to still be involved with Young Life. I think they're an incredible organization. Um, And then I think in terms of lots of love, we actually just celebrated our 10 year anniversary. Um, And so it's exciting to think what 10 years from now could look like for this organization. We just recently shipped our hundred thousandth light, um, which is just incredible to think about the hundreds of thousands of people that have mm-hmm. been impacted by mm-hmm. it. And hopefully in 10 years, the millions, right. of, if not tens right. of millions people of people who will have been impacted by the power of a light and financial literacy training. And frankly, someone believing and investing mm-hmm. in them. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited about that too. And do you ever get to travel? Like you mentioned some of these groups that are going all over the world. Mm-hmm. Have you ever traveled with Watts of Love on one of those trips? Yeah. So I was just recently in the Philippines to celebrate right. 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there in February. Um, hopefully I'll get to go again soon. Um, when, what goes on during, like when you're on one of those, if you went on one of their trips, what would that look like? Yeah. So the whole goal is to fall in love with the people and fall in love with the mm-hmm. country. So we do um, three to four days of distributions and revisits. So we... For example, when we were in the Philippines, we went back to some of the original communities that had received lights eight, ten years ago um, and checked in and saw how they were doing and heard about success stories and heard about what's incredible. Some of those original lights were still working. (laughs) Um, It's funny. You can actually tell the first 1,000 lights because they look so different than the rest Mm -hmm. of them. They were this like white color Mm -hmm. and... We switched away from that because then it, they got obviously dirty. So now yeah. then they were black. Um, but you can very much you can see, oh, like that is one of the first one thousand yeah. lights, and yeah. it's ten years later. Um, and then, uh, lots of love trips typically involved an opportunity to do some sort of cultural experience. So in a lot of places in Africa, specifically Kenya, Zambia, Malawi, we'll do safaris. Um, which is really incredible, an opportunity to really fall in love with the country. For us, we went to this 
beach. We got to go, we were on a four hour boat ride to the Apo Reef, which is, I think, one of the, I think, the second longest or the second biggest continuous reef wow. in the world, um, which was really incredible. Uh, we got to scuba dive and snorkel and all of that. There was actually one of the boats got to see. Um, I think they're called a pod of dolphins. I think that's oh, yeah. the group, a pod yeah. of dolphins. And it was estimated there were about 500 in the oh, pod wow. just swimming alongside the yeah. boat, um, which was so incredible. Um, yeah. Well, that's inspiring how, you. you know, a, a pivotal moment in your life mm-hmm. has, has transformed you yeah. and it really invigorated your faith as you internalized mm-hmm. it. And then it, it prompts you to go make the world a better place. And as a bonus, you get to see dolphins. I mean, hey. I mean, there's worse things in life. Yeah, you know? yeah indeed. <laughs> and we well, will put yeah. a link. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll absolutely. We'll put a link in our show notes for all everything we've talked about. That'd but, be incredible. Uh, and the other thing is, is that um, part of my job is to meet with people who are really interested in the work that we're doing and he- want to hear about ways that they can get involved. Um, and so I'm happy to leave yeah, we, contact information. Well, we can put your contact yeah. information. Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be great. That yeah. would be great. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have just seconds left. And so we usually close with a prayer, but with a, a prayer intention. Okay. And so if you could invite the whole world to join you for a single prayer intention, what would that be? Um. I think just to pray for the nearly 1 billion people around the world that don't have reliable access to electricity and the ramifications that that has past just not being able to turn on your light at night. You know, the the poverty that oftentimes is associated with it, the, the lack of educational opportunities, the lack of productivity after the sun goes down, the, the inherent dangers that happen with that. Um, and as lots of love just continues to grow and be able to reach more people that that number would diminish yeah yeah that's great yeah I'd, l- I'd love for you to have to go out of business because everybody is lit yeah. nancy jokes you know? about that all the time yeah. she's like yeah. let's work ourselves out of a job yeah. he's yeah. like okay yeah <laughs> all that, that's right. a great goal <laughs> you know in a right. certain sense yeah. so well very good well uh let's close in prayer uh we'll we'll all recite a glory be together great. in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Thank you, Kylie. That was great. Thank you, Kylie. Glory Be is a production of the Office of Communications at the Church of St. Mary in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm your producer, Mike Malcolm. See you next time.